Hello and welcome to the latest edition of uh, Syndrome, which is a podcast being recorded under lockdown conditions in Suva, um, whereby um, I, um, Ben Wheeler, speak to people around Suva to start with, we may move beyond Suva at some point, about the films that they enjoy uh, and would recommend to other people. And I give um, some of my own kind of perspectives uh, on those movies. Uh, today I am pleased to uh, introduce Taniela Tora, uh, who I uh, do not know very well and I'm hoping to get to know a little bit better during the course of our discussion. Hey Taniela. Hi Ben, how's it going? It's going pretty well. Uh, I am uh, stocked up and ready for uh, an extended um, <laughs> severe lockdown perhaps yep, for the next nice. few weeks. <laughs> how, how about you? No, yeah, doing good. We've also got our alcohol and stuff stocked up here too, so that's great. <laughs> Brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> Before we actually started recording, we discussed uh, the, the, the notions of essentials and alcohol yes. was high on both <laughs> our lists, which is good. Good to know. Yeah. Uh, another thing which we're going to be doing a lot of during this lockdown when not drinking is watching movies. Mm -hmm. So um, I think uh, this podcast and this discussion will hopefully give people some new movies that, that you enjoy and, and some movies that I kind of think are related to the movies that you're going to select. I'll be interested to know if you've seen some of the films I'm going to talk about, which um, are quite influential on the films that you're going to talk about. Mm. And and yeah, we might talk a little bit. I think we'll start off by talking about the fact that you are like a filmmaker. You had uh, a film, uh, Good To Go, that was rudely interrupted by this lockdown. Could you maybe yeah. talk about that for a little bit? Yeah, so, um, well, for, like, just to let like the audience know is that what I'm trying to do outside of like going to study in tertiary university is um, I'm trying to become a filmmaker. And obviously that had to be stopped because of this whole coronavirus thing. I graduated in 2019, so I've spent the whole of last year just waiting to get out of here to start studying film overseas. And so while I was, I was back here, I just thought to myself, maybe instead of just waiting to go, I should actually make something, write a script and start shooting a movie. And while I was brainstorming ideas and writing down the script and going through several drafts, I, I finally finished it and I was finally about to start shooting with my cast and everything. But as soon as I was start, about to start shooting, this whole lockdown thing came and that just like halted everything in its tracks. And yeah, so. That's gutting, man. Was it like, like yeah. the, the exact day or something or that you started? No, yeah, like I did the read through with my cast and then the next day I had one of the cast members come over to shoot and then they announced that there were some cases in Suva and then I just decided because I've got family living here that are prone to like the coronavirus so I just said, hey man, I don't think it's best for you to be here any longer because, you know, it's too risky. So, yeah, we just couldn't shoot anything. Wow, that's frustrating, but good Good to know, good to hear that you're taking the responsible approach. Stay yeah. home, stay safe, isolate. 
All right, cool, man. Well, let, let's. Uh, that, that's fascinating. Uh, I just got to say that because uh, I'm really into like uh, finding out more about the the kind of uh, the local filmmaking scene. So we need to talk a lot more uh, after this discussion. Mm. But for yeah. now, um, let's crack on with some of the questions that are, that I've uh, are given you. Um, in terms of trying to find some basis for our discussion on on cinema and film more generally. So the first question is is uh, fairly straightforward. It, it's why uh, someone like you who is really invested in film, who's studying and wants to make movies, why, why you like the medium? What is it that appeals to you? Uh, I think for the reason why I like watching movies is because to me, every time I watch a movie, movies always have a particular way of just moving me in a sense whether it's emotionally or like like in one way emotionally or in another it's very um i love watching movies that do it do that so well you know like far sorry my mind has just gone blank for a moment <laughs> let me like regain my <laughs> my bearings no yeah uh, yeah, just I like watching movies because movies in particular as an art form is one of the only art forms for me in particular that can move me in such ways that I haven't seen any other art form doing, you know. Yeah, there's a, there's a very, I, I feel the same way. I am a, a, a real sucker for um, emotionally connecting with films. I really love to intellectualize about them and, and talk about them and have done for like 25 years. I've been studying and teaching film and, and it still it amazes me that the, mo the, the most primary way that I engage with them is this kind of emotional connection yeah. that, you do, that you feel and that you're talking about. So yeah, yeah, that's, that's good to know, man. In respect of that, kind of tapping into maybe some of your earliest memories of film or earliest memories of going to the cinema, uh, what, what do you remember uh, about that? Man, I remember as a kid, going to the movies was like the best thing that could ever happen to me, like in the weekends. Like my dad would announce to me like, okay, kids, we're going to go watch a movie. And I'd be so excited. And I'd be asking, what movie are we going to watch? What movie are we going to watch? And like, obviously, like, we'd only watch like kids movies, but I still really enjoyed it, you know. And I think one of the first memories I have of going to the movies, it's not a very pleasant one, <laughs> but it's still like <laughs> one of my first ones, is that I remember going to watch the movie The Son of the Mask with my auntie and my sister. I was really, really young when we went to go watch that movie. And because I was, I was about four or five when we went to go watch that movie, we had to leave halfway through because I got scared of the movie. It was kind of like too much for like ah, a four-year-old. And it kind of just like freaked me out. And I guess that's kind of like the very first experience of the cinema that I had. Not pleasant, but <laughs> yeah, that's like my first that's ever interesting. experience. It's an interesting first experience though, because it kind of, in, it kind of uh, suggests the power to overwhelm, right? That, that cinema has mm. to really... Uh, take control of your senses yeah. to kind of com command them and manipulate them and send them in certain directions. Mm. So that's, that's a fascinating kind of powerful memory. Yeah. Um, any other real favorites from around that time? I guess if that one kind of freaked you out a little bit or do you remember any in the years following that, any films that you remember really fondly? Yeah, I actually do. There was, um, as a kid, my favorite movie as a kid was Spider-Man. 
like the very first Spider-Man with Tobey Maguire, that was my movie, dude. Like, <laughs> I'd go home, I had the DVD, I'd watch it every single day at least like three times. And then that was the first movie. And then they announced that they were going to release the second movie. I was beside myself. I was like, oh my God, Spider-Man 2? Oh my God, I have to go watch this. I have to go watch this. And then I went to go watch it with, I don't remember exactly who, but I remember I was watching it and it was like, one of the final battles or something between him and Dr. Octopus, I think. Like, as a kid, I was like, oh my god, this is so cool. I, like, stood up on my seat and I was, like, fighting Dr. Octopus with Spider-Man. And it was just, I was just so, like, taken aback by how awesome the, like, experience was of watching <laughs> Spider-Man 2. <laughs> and so, yeah. That, that's, man, there's, that's no laughing matter. Spider-Man was <laughs> 1 and 2 are two of my favorite films ever made as well. Um, I am a huge kind of... Uh, comic book fan from an early age i have a stack of like original 1960s and 70s uh, amazing spider-man comics that i inherited from my uncle from when i was like a teenager and Dude. then those movies came out i think at the end of the 90s right yeah uh early noughties maybe so yeah uh, th that was when i was sort of at university studying film and yet my you know i was lo looking into like avant-garde and experimental subversive filmmaking <laughs> and yet all i wanted was to watch spider-man yeah. <laughs> because they were the best yeah. um, and also the, the, what I do love about Spider-Man's 1 and 2 and, and what I find slightly disappointing about Spider-Man 3 in that particular run is that 1 and 2 have the most perfect narrative arc Mm. Uh, the, the, this, the becoming of Spider-Man um, the, the, towards the end of, of one and the beginning of two the questioning and the crisis point of not wanting to be Spider-Man yeah. anymore and then by the end the returned you know the returned equilibrium of the third act mm. uh, where he's like yeah I am Spider-Man not because mm. I have to be because I choose to be mm. so for me those two films have a real perfect narrative structure mm. we won't talk so much about yeah. three I wasn't we won't talk about <laughs> Spider-Man 3 Oh my god! <laughs> cool, man. So um, yeah, that's uh, that's that's a great start. I feel like we're vibing totally with the yeah. Spider-Man connection. Um, <laughs> let's move on to the next question, which is um, uh, favorite soundtracks. I'm always mm. intrigued by it because music and sound is really integral to film, and it's really good at triggering memories as well. So mm. I was wondering what your favorite movie soundtrack of all time was. Well. Uh, I think, oh, that's, when I, see, when I was a kid, again, back to when I was a kid, because I have a lot of memories of watching movies as a kid, the movies that I used to watch, that the soundtrack would sort of, like, had a really big impression on me, and it still does now, would be, like, the Disney movies that were released in the 90s, like, The Little Mermaid, Pocahontas, and The Beauty and the Beast movies, because... Right. I, because me being like into film and all that, I like had to do my research on it and why it was so good. <laughs> and I did research and it said that like, when they made those movies in particular, they took the formula of musical theater and they put it into those animated movies. And I think that's why it sort of made such a huge impression on me. All of those like 90s Disney animated movies. I can't even pick one in particular. They were all so good to me. Yeah, there, there is a fantastic. Uh, that's interesting to know. I've always, I, I've never, I've not researched it in that in in such an in depth way as you, but I've always noticed there is a, a real kind of theatrical uh, 
uh, crossover that happens at that kind of point um, in Disney movies um, that has seen a real big resurgence again with more contemporary movies like uh, like Frozen has that real theatricality to it, doesn't it? Um, but yeah, there's certainly some classics from the 90s and you're going right back with things like The Little Mermaid. I remember... Um, Kiss the Girl and Under the Sea and <laughs> those kind yeah. of numbers are still really etched on my memory from watching them in my like mid-teens. Um, yeah, yeah, good stuff, man. Yeah, Disney. Uh, Disney has, uh, as I mentioned in the in my previous podcast, I have some interesting ideological issues with Disney, so I won't rehash that here and now um, because we're going to get into some some other movies and start talking about them. Yeah. Um, I did give you some categories that I asked you to sort of guide your selection, and you've very kindly gone along with those categorizations. Uh, I think now we'll talk about what you picked for your, your physical movie. So the categories were physical, emotional, and intellectual. Hmm. Let's start with what you picked for physical. All right. So for my physical film, I picked Saving Private Ryan. Right. Excellent choice, man. And, and hmm. I, I can understand why, but why don't you tell us, uh, explain why for you this is a film affects you on a physical level. Yeah. Well... I have only seen Saving Private Ryan quite quite recently. Um, I remember when the very first scene with the whole um, the beach scene. I remember watching that and I was just completely taken aback by how gruesome and how realistic it was. Sort of the whole um, beach scene. Because I've seen a, a bunch of other war movies. I've never seen a movie portray war and the violence and like the death and devastation of how it can be as much as this movie did and it really just like freaked me out honestly i really wasn't expecting that and and yeah basically the whole movie is just so violent and you know it's just ugh. that's all i have to say about that movie <laughs> Yeah, well, I can, I can, uh, I, I can, I can see that, man. It's, it's a very, and it's almost something that can't be put into words, right? Mm. It's a very visceral, visceral kind of physical feeling that it gives you. Uh, and from what I remember, I've, I've not seen it for a while, so we're going to be working from from opposite ends of the uh, spectrum here. But I do remember, and it's interesting that you should say that that everyone always says. The, the very first scene, they find the very first scene very affecting. And they're talking about the beach landing, right? Mm. But but in, in the first scene of the film is, in fact, uh, Private Ryan as an old man walking through the graveyard, right? Everyone always forgets that. Yeah. Just after the very patriotic flag blowing in the, in the wind, desaturated. Uh, and I think that's a really intriguing narrative device it's a very intriguing the film sort of opens and closes if i remember correctly on shots of the flag mm. and has this kind of patriotic feel with the the bugle in the in the background whereas the film itself seems to be like you say a very very brutal condemnation or well representation at least of the brutality of war mm. um that also kind of I, I always get a bit confused by it. Like, I wonder if, if Spielberg is trying to highlight the illogical 
an unethical nature of war sometimes with the story like the idea of these eight guys or however many guys it is who go and uh, to sacrifice themselves to try and rescue one guy because this guy's brothers have all died i always found that kind of weird what what would you what do you think about that dynamic that that kind of narrative what's going on there yeah like i remember like watching the film i was really questioning the whole, like the narrative of it i was like they tasked tasked all of these men to like traverse all across like however far they had to go through um just to save this one man because all of his other brothers had had died and even then R- private ryan was still willing to fight but they were given orders to save him and at the end of the day like at the end of the film i was asking was it really worth saving just that one man when you lost so many other people just to save this one guy like yeah it's it's strange sorry go on like to me the ends didn't justify the means (laughs) yeah and so i wonder if if spielberg is trying to say something there Mm. about the the illogical nature of war in that respect uh, that it ends up maybe meaning what it's not supposed to mean because the whole idea of war, the whole idea of being a soldier is that you, that the few go off to safeguard the the existence of the many back home, mm. right? I guess that something like that is the dynamic. Yeah. Um, whereas this this is about kind of doing the opposite, flipping that all on its head. Mm. And it always, it always struck me as kind of strange. I, I, I kind of have certain uh, issues with... Spielberg for for the same reason perhaps that I have issues with with authors like Charles Dickens that I think they can get a bit sentimental sometimes mm. um, and but this is this film is very interesting because of the brutality and yeah. within it there's this sentimentality couched and, mm. and I find it very uneasy and uneven and it makes for yeah. a better viewing experience I think yeah hmm interesting interesting i mean another another point uh, i say interesting a lot during my podcast by the way it's like a really annoying word that just comes out of my mouth uh, i'm just going to draw attention to it again so that hopefully i stop doing it um one other uh, fascinating thing i think about spielberg movies uh, is is how they're always about family uh so that's that's uh, that's a hmm. point that i think we might come back to later on because I've I've noticed in in the the selections that you've made there is a real uh, family vibe running through them. So we may come we may come back to that. You look uh, no, shocked. Yeah. I kind of just realised I was like, oh wait a minute, <laughs> they do have a sort of like family theme in all of them. There's there's a very interesting theme I think, yeah. and just as in film studies we uh, there is like auteur theory or genre theory it's all about like looking for patterns mm. uh, in the themes that of a filmmaker or the themes uh, of a genre yeah what we might do here is end up looking for a pattern just in your viewing habits and your mm. choices yeah just for the sake of discussion you know mm-hmm. we'll see what comes out so yeah that's a great first choice great opening powerful powerful movie man uh but now we're going to move to your choice for uh for, for emotional uh film what, what did mm. you choose for that for the emotional film, I picked up Marriage Story. Yeah, that's mm. that's great. So, 2019 um, movie, Noah Baumbach wrote and directed it. I, I'm a big fan of his 
movies and I love the performances from from Adam Driver and and Scarlett Johansson Mm. Uh, yeah again this is powerful stuff so I can see why you've chosen it when you, you your description of why you watch films and, and and your earliest memories of films it's it's fantastic that this is like another very powerful affecting movie uh, yeah. but why don't you talk us through why you chose it well i i i chose marriage story because um see because i'm from my growing up i was raised with like divorced parents which is the whole theme thing behind marriage story and i was sort of Throughout watching the film, I was, I couldn't help but sort of relate to what the parent, not really the, kind of the kid, but more so with the parents. I'd like to say, like, I could sort of, I don't want to say empathize because I haven't exactly been through exactly what they've gone through, but sympathize with what they're going through. Because, you know, just as my parents, they were both concerned about, like, their top priority was the kids. And that was sort of the top priority for these parents as well. Mm. And they both sort of have this sort of like distaste towards each other because of, you know, the whole like divorce problem and that kind of stuff. And yeah, I just basically I picked it because I could relate to it a lot more than other movies, you know. Yeah, definitely. And I think what's really interesting, what you brought up there, like the, 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 the subtle difference between empathy and sympathy. So as you said, you, you said, I don't want to say I can empathize because I haven't been through it, but I can sympathize. However, movies in being this overwhelming sort of representation or reimagining of someone else's subjectivity or experiences kind of provide a bridge towards that empathy. So maybe what this movie gave you was a sense of empathy, was a sense not just of sympathizing from a distance with what happened in your own family, but really connecting with that experience and Mm. empathizing a bit more. Yeah. That's interesting. There's that word again. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) uh, Yeah. That's, uh, for, for me, for me, you see, th- that's what films are all about. That idea of empathy, of, mm. of bridging perceptual gaps or, or connecting subjectivities across cultures, across identities, um, yeah. across time even as well, you know. Yeah. Like having a sense of the brutality of warfare as it existed mm. during, uh, you know, World War Two. Yeah. Um, now you have very different kind of representations of warfare. Like it's all about the drones, you know, and the disconnectedness yeah. of warfare, mm. you know, which is, is that's, that's, uh, I'm not going to say interesting. That's <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, well, I will tell you one thing that I found very profoundly affecting uh, about marriage story. So it, it came out. Uh, so Noah Baumbach wrote and directed it. He was married at one point to Jennifer Jason Lee. Uh, mm. And at about the same time, a couple of years ago, when this came out, a TV show came out called Atypical. I'm not sure if you've seen it or heard of it. I've heard about it. It's very, very good. Um, and in it, Jennifer Jason Lee plays the mother of uh, a, a non-neurotypical child who is on the kind of autistic spectrum. And 
at one point during that show, she's shown cutting the whole family's hair, cutting the dad's hair, cutting... Uh, no, just cutting the dad's hair, I think, actually. And there's also a scene in Marriage Story where Scarlett Johansson cuts Adam Driver's hair, and it's a real intimate moment for them. Yeah. Um, and a real moment of connection. Now, it's interesting because in real life, Jennifer Jason Lee used to cut Noah Bombach's hair. So they've both gone on to make these separate creative projects. And at some point, there's been a bit of personal input from both mm. of them, like a memory of their relationship. Yeah. I think it'd be really nice, if we, a really intimate moment, if I cut the guy's hair. Or, and, you know, in, in the film, the same thing happens. And, and I love that, that that was a, a yeah. facet of their relationship in real life that made it into two separate creative projects that came out at the same time. That's really sick. Like that whole story. Really I like that. And, uh, you know, that's, uh, I think it's um, appropriate, isn't it, for the emotional choice that that, yeah. that kind of, it gives you a real feeling of oh, a, a, a kind of connection to, to reality, mm. which, is, which is another kind of point, point of interest for me when looking at films, how things that are, how we manage to convince ourselves that these things that are acted and performed and contrived and fictional, and we know they are, and yet... Mm. To go back to your earlier memories, they can be so overwhelming and they can take over our sense of what's real and what's not. And we respond to them like they are real. Yeah. So anything else you'd like to say about Marriage Story? Anything, any other points you wanted to pick up on? Um, no, really. I think, like, I don't know, maybe just mention how good of a performance Adam Driver and Scarlett Johansson did in the movie because their performances really like enhanced the whole experience with my experience with the movie at least like I can't really I don't know maybe if a, if a different actor and actress played it they could have done a different spin on it but from Adam Driver and Scarlett Johansson's take on it it was really powerful Definitely two powerful performances from uh, Scarlett Johansson and Adam Driver there in that movie. Um, and uh, fascinating as well to see those two actors acting in a movie like that when we see them in other, like in Star Wars movies or in Marvel movies, mm. playing very different kinds of roles. Um, and I think a, a film that I would mention that I would recommend with Adam Driver in uh, 2016 is the film Patterson, where he plays like a, a bus driver uh, who's also a poet. So it's directed by, written and directed by Jim Jarmusch. Mm. You should definitely check that out. All right. Um, so that's, that's, uh, we've done your physical and your emotional selections. Uh, we've tried, uh, I, I've tried to, to kind of pull apart the filmic experience a little bit. Often all these things come along together, but, but, um, uh, the third categorization that I've selected is intellectual. So mm. films that you really have to think about or that make you think, um, what, what's your choice? For intellectual. So for my intellectual movie, I picked Inception by, with Christopher Nolan. Man, I really like this movie. It's like one of my, um, it's like one of my favorite movies because I just love, like Christopher Nolan's work, I just love how he sort of, just the way he curates his like films is just such a, like it's really good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so there's an interesting uh 
there's an interesting thematic thread that runs through his films, shall we say? Yeah. Where it kind of addresses, like, uh, I think it really addresses memory and like how and identity and reality. So like these are really big things I think that I love discussing about films. Mm. Um, what, what's interesting to me is how his sort of uh, midway through this very interesting. Uh, curation or you know this this oeuvre that he's constructed uh, this body of work mm. which starts off very interestingly in the 90s with films like Memento who is a guy who can't about a guy who can't make any short uh, short-term memories he only has long-term memories and it's entirely edited and structured backwards from the end to the beginning yeah um, other films like Insomnia which is about uh, a cop who goes into the like uh, the play, a place in the world where there's no night time because of you know it's very uh, up high north and, and mm. he can't sleep and he starts to go a bit mad uh, then you've got films like Inception uh, and Interstellar uh, but in the middle of that you've got the Batman movies and it's kind of fascinating to me that ba- Batman is kind of like a, is like a great Christopher Nolan protagonist yeah. isn't he you mm-hmm. know yeah. he's got yeah. a very weird kind of disconnected idea about himself mm. he's like almost schizophrenic mm. doesn't quite know what's reality you know I mean, you could really recast batman as a, as a as a seriously emotionally disturbed and and this has happened in graphic novels and comics of yeah. course as a very kind of uh, seriously disturbed sociopath or psychopath even mm. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so I, I digress a little bit um, there. Uh, yeah, I think Inception is really interesting uh, for, from that perspective, looking at memory, looking at how we understand the world and whether what we know is real or not. Um, and I'm not sure if I've mentioned this already, but um, I like that about movies. I like the fact that even though we know movies are not real, we really connect with them. And yeah. like a switch flips in our brain and we're like, I'm going to subscribe to this. I'm going to pretend that this is real and I'm mm. going to have an emotional response. Sort of overrides the intellectual in a yeah. way. But this is a film that then kind of flips that back on itself. And yeah. It's very self-reflexive. Anything else you particularly enjoy about this film? Why do you think that this film, for you, really connects with that intellectual aspect? Well, no, yeah, I really like Inception because, as an intellectual sort of film, because throughout the entire film, you're just sort of piecing things together because, like, the way he's, the way Christopher Nolan presents the film, he doesn't necessarily tell you what's happening he tells you he like obviously for the narrative he tells you how the world works and how dreams within a dreams work but other than explaining how it happens he doesn't explain to you what happens you know like you're just sort of watching it and you you yourself as the viewer have to piece things together yourself and i find that really really cool about that movie so yeah yeah it's nice when 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 movies don't treat you like an idiot, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's a little bit little bit challenging. You're, yeah. you're actively engaged rather mm. than passively letting it wash over you. Yeah. Um, I, th- I think there is, for me, as someone who consistently has an analytical mind about film um, and who is used to studying, for example, thematic consistencies between director's work or star's work, I'm detecting a thematic consistency in your film choices namely that that these three of your favorite films seem to be about uh families 
disconnecting and reconnecting, mm. which I think is uh, kind of interesting. What what do you think about that? Uh, no, yeah. When I picked the films, I really did not <laughs> like think to myself, okay, I need to think of three films that all thematically link, you know? <laughs> like, I was just sort of, I don't know, like, when I thought of Saving Private Ryan and Marriage Story and Inception, I just sort of had to really think hard about what it meant to be like a physical... Because I thought about it from a film like standpoint, you know? Like, I thought to myself, yeah. what's a really good film that, like, would evoke a, like, a physical reaction? And then, like, I just thought of... And emotional and intellectual, I just thought of these three films. It's really um, interesting how you point out that those three films have sort of a connection with the themes of reconnecting families. It's really... Um, like, that's something I did not notice in those three films. I, I think that's interesting that we sort of subconsciously gravitate towards things that reflect, you know, uh, our own experiences and, mm. and things that are close to us. But then these three films couldn't be more different in their styles and in their subject yeah. matters and in their genres, but they have this kind of core element that I think maybe you connect with on yeah. a personal level. Okay, cool. Um, so I think we'll continue now with uh, to move on to the films that almost made it onto that list, um, which I think would be very interesting. Mm. Oh, interesting. <laughs> I'm cutting that out. That's, that's it. That's final. Um, so let's, uh, as, a, as a seamless segue, we can, we can go from intellectual back to emotional and physical because your intellectual almost made it was another Christopher Nolan movie. Yeah. Uh, what was that? That was uh, Tenet, his most recent movie. Uh, and why, why did you enjoy that movie? And maybe why did you not enjoy it quite as much as Inception? Well, because <laughs> the thing about... I like comparing Tenet and Inception because they're both really similar, even though they're like two completely different movies. But I picked um, Inception over Tenet because I thought that there was a little bit too much, too much thinking <laughs> involved in Tenet. <laughs> like okay. I was watching the movie and I was sort of, I like sort of, oh, okay. So whenever, like whenever he has to move backwards in time, that means this ought to happen. But then I'd keep watching the movie and then I'd second guess my ideas and then I'd have to find a new one. And then I'd second guess that one. And it was just a lot of second guessing of what might happen and what the rules of the movie were in terms of like the narrative and the world and all of that. And so, yeah, I basically picked um, Inception because it kind of balanced the whole thinking about like piecing things together and having a good story where you can actually um follow through whereas Tenet there was just a lot of like just thinking <laughs> which was yeah. like it, it wasn't as balanced as Inception I think that's why I picked Inception over Tenet yeah and it's it's um it's weird because that um 
that sort of imbalance might be the reason why I think I like Tenet a bit more. Tenet is so... There's so much going on there and so much to think about that it kind of tips the tips the balance into into almost silliness in a mm. way. <laughs> it's I, I kind of see Tenet as being a bit tongue in cheek. Um, and I think I enjoy it a little bit more because on one level I kind of think Inception takes itself a bit too seriously. And and mm. uh, I like that there's a bit of playfulness, especially in like the performance of um Kenneth Branagh as the Russian with yeah. the dodgy accent. <laughs> yeah. Um, there was um, oh, another, in- I, I forgot because we got very caught up in our discussion of Inception that I was going to make a recommendation to you as well or to anyone who liked Inception that they should watch um, Paprika, which is, a, which is an anime movie from 2006 directed by Satoshi Kon, who, uh, and that was very, very kind of influential apparently on, on Nolan's, uh, Nolan when he was uh, when he wrote and and made Inception. Yeah. So a great a great movie to check out there. Fantastic. Let's move now from uh, intellectual back into an emotional space. I sound a bit like a therapist now. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but what was your uh, almost made it movie for uh, for emotional? Um, for my emotional movie that almost made it, I picked The Pursuit of Happiness. With Will Smith and um, his son, Jaden Smith. Yeah. Um, this is this is a movie that I haven't seen, so I'm going to rely on you to kind of sum it up. Oh. For me. It's, br- it's interesting that that has a real life son in it. Yeah. I didn't know that. That's, no. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, I'll just give you like a very brief um, like idea of the movie. Basically, it's about this um, this guy, right? He's he's very. Poverty is, like, his sort of, like, thing. It's kind of, like, the thing that's... His, like, the main conflict for him is poverty. And him trying Mm. to look after his son and putting his son in a good school and having problems with his wife and living in an apartment and then being evicted from the apartment and sort of, like, struggling about him trying to be a good dad and looking after his son through poverty. And basically, that's... The movie is basically just following him struggling trying to make money, trying to look after his son, put him in a good school, and yeah. Same. Okay. Family, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I wasn't going to say it. You're picking up on it yourself now. Yeah, there's an interesting dynamic there as well. Uh, I think this this film again ventures into different kind of uh, for, for that for that similarity. It ventures into a different stylistic and and thematic area mm. one about sort of um class i guess you might call it you yeah know, like try, a- aspirational movies about mm. trying to make it uh, which yeah. is quite a f- fundamentally american thing i think the american dream and in yeah. fact the title right is the pursuit of happiness that's that's part of the uh yeah. the american constitution isn't it life mm. liberty and the pursuit of happiness so mm. um oh that's interesting oh god damn it. <laughs> <laughs> um <laughs> it really it's like Tourette's or something it just com- it comes out um, well why do you uh, is there do you like Will Smith as an actor in particular is no, he one yeah. of your favourite actors yeah I wouldn't say he's one of my favourite ones he's one of the actors that I really respect because he has had a pretty good career and I just respect him for like I don't know what reason I just like respect him <laughs> but I think the reason why I picked um, 
marriage story over the pursuit of happiness is because I could empathize with the characters more than in the pursuit of happiness. Like yeah. the pursuit of happiness definitely pulled at my heartstrings, but I picked marriage story because I could relate to the characters a lot more than. Right. So there's this, there's a more immediate sense of um, identification. Yeah. With that movie. And, and I do love that as well. That kind of, um, that kind of universalizing thing. So we talked earlier about sort of um, empathy bridges. So it doesn't matter, you know, that, that uh, you know, uh, that these are uh, people from a different country or a bit different culture or more extreme levels, uh, people who are different genders or different sexualities or races or classes. You can still, there are still some universalizing themes. Yeah. You know, family, love, desire, anxiety. And, and when films tap into these and they tap into them well and they have uh, performances performances are very central but all the everything that surrounds the performance as well mm. you know the editing the, the art direction the production design the music i think as we talked about very important yeah um but it's great to think that there are these like universalizing themes that draw us together just as like human beings mm. i'm gonna have to watch the pursuit of happiness i think um so that's the that's the one uh, on on your list that i hadn't watched mm. uh la la land oh i've kind of ju i've jumped ahead now but you're <laughs> you're almost made it physical choice i'll introduce this one why not oh. was la la land which is a movie that i had never seen and that many people have talked about but there's a real there's an interesting thing many interesting things i would like to talk about for this movie but f firstly why don't you talk about why you almost selected it for your physical choice um, well, I think the the reason why I, I was about to put it as my first choice, but then Saving Private Ryan sort of came up and I was just like, whoa, that makes a lot of sense <laughs> to just put that as the physical one. But the, I thought about La La Land is because, um, well, I liked the movie. It was really good, like in my opinion. But another reason yeah. is because, well, obviously there's a lot of like, it's kind of like a musical. Like there's a lot of like dancing and like movement and all of that. It's very physical. And also because, you know, it follows characters that are trying to make it big in Hollywood and like music and all that. And obviously me wanting to be a filmmaker, like that's one thing that I want to do, like be, be, get big in Hollywood. And so, yeah, that's basically why it's on this list. Yeah, so there's um, there's a lot of kind of there's stuff you can identify with in yeah. there again uh, yeah. in in terms of um, wanting to be in the film industry and this film this film very interestingly plays with um, with the idea of film and music as well right yeah. like you said it's it, it is a musical it's not like a not as the music the music and the song and dance numbers don't play quite as much of a heavy role as they would in movies like Sound of Music or yeah. something like that. But it's definitely, that's the genre, right? Mm. Or one of the genres it's operating in is musical. And I find that very interesting uh, as, a, as a, a genre as well. The idea of how how musicals are the least believable of all genres and yet they all they're the most toe-tappingly kind of you get into them and you buy into them and they yeah. almost have them the most physical connection so it's interesting for me that you would uh, that you would pick that mm. uh, almost pick that as a physical choice 
one of the things that I always used to talk about with my students when this film came out in 2016, I think, mm. was the uh, the idea of representation. And this is something that, that I think has become a victim of its own success. If it wasn't such a wildly successful movie, more so than any musical had been for a, quite a while, I would say, it probably wouldn't have... Uh, suffered these criticisms quite as harshly but a lot of people have criticized the the lack of diversity in in that film's representation yeah um what's is that something that you've thought about ever or now that i've mentioned it what, what would your thoughts on that be i mean like when i was thinking about the answers to these questions i did not like think about the whole representation in la la land like when you mentioned it, that was the f that was when I sort of like looked back on the film and thought about it, and then I realized, oh yeah, there there isn't that much representation in this movie, and um, no, yeah, like you mentioning it, it was the first time I sort of realized, and I never I never heard of any um like backlash with La La Land because I watched it, I didn't watch it when it first came out, and back then I wasn't as into film as much as I am now, so I wasn't really, like, up to date with, you know, these kinds of things, so. Yeah. Well, it, I think what one of the interesting things, I mean, it's really, it's a fascinating movie, and I'm so glad that you uh, selected it for all the themes that we've been discussing so far. So it's a very nostalgic movie. Mm. It's a film that purposely kind of uh, positions itself and styles itself after older Hollywood movies. Not only yeah. is it set in Hollywood, as you say, and about Hollywood, but it references old school musicals like this, um, like Singing in the Rain, for example. Mm. Uh, very, very similar to Singing in the Rain. It's also a huge homage to, to a, a great 1964 French New Wave movie by Jacques, Jacques, uh, Jacques Demi. Mm. called The Umbrellas of Cherbourg. I don't know if you've seen that, but it's almost a, 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 a you know, a set-for-set set remake of that movie. Mm. Uh, so I, I would highly recommend you watch, you give that one a go. What's the um, name of the movie? Sorry? The name of that movie was The Umbrellas of Cherbourg. The um, and I'll, uh, I'll link, link that to you uh, after our discussion. Mm. Um Fantastic, uh, subversive uh, film from the French New Wave in the 1960s. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I think one of the problems and, and a little one of the reasons why it got a bit of backlash is because it is sort of nostalgic. It is backwards looking. It is relating to memory and cinema. Um, without really addressing the fact that one of its central themes is is very much rooted in black American culture and the civil rights movement, which is jazz, for yeah. example. Uh, that that was one of the reasons why it got a bit of backlash. Um, there are there are some other things to do with gender representation. The idea that that um, that Sebastian uh, and his story and his motivations really take the take the fore, whereas it's really supposed to be like a mutual love yeah. story. Uh, and um, Mia's. Mia's story seems to get sort of sidelined a little bit and there was also some people that were saying you know kind of it's 2016 now Hollywood is full of gay people we need to have some gay representation <laughs> yeah. in there um, so as much as I kind of take that on board um, I do think that there's an int it's 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 um, 
you need to look at the context of 2016 when you had a lot of great like just taking race as an example a lot of great representation you had hidden figures which mm. is one of my favorite movies of recent years yeah um and of course the movie that won the best picture oscar which was moonlight, moonlight which is yeah. not only kind of uh, black representation but also uh, gay representation mm. uh, so you know and there was that fascinating thing at the uh, Oscars where they did you do you remember this at, yeah. the, at the Oscars they read the wrong yeah, film they, they read, read it as La La Land yeah. so everyone was like what the whitest film in the world is one and they're like oh no wait a minute yeah. it was Moonlight <laughs> So I mean I think I think it's interesting to look at these kind of contextual elements and say mm. yeah there are there are fundamentally some issues with La La Land in terms of that representation but it's not going to it doesn't make it like a racist film it yeah. just means it's, it it kind of hasn't kept yeah. up to date in uh, yeah. some ways mm. but there are other movies that came out that year that that proved that, that Hollywood was, is addressing yeah. that No imbalance. yeah I definitely like get where you're coming from like I get it like I understand yeah. it now. Yeah. So that's 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 my my for what it's worth. That's my that's my opinions on on that. And for me, that just these kind of discussions and these kind of um, dissections and deconstructions of not only the films themselves and how they're made and what they mean and the technical aspects, but the kind of cultural reverberations are are really make for uh, um, an even more rounded kind of experience which is what cinema is for me and uh, it seems to be for you as well mm. uh so we are we are winding down now i think we only uh the the last thing i really wanted to discuss was is one that's going to be particularly pertinent for you as someone who is now looking to study film and make films and for that to be a real big kind of artistic part of your life now and that is um what what sort of things would you like to see um in films what perhaps what sort of things are you going to be putting in your films mm. um yeah i'll just just take it away man what what do you what what don't you see at the moment that you'd like to see well well now there's a lot more inclusion of the south pacific um like culture in movies not like definitely it's not like everywhere but like there's still a little bit more but that's definitely one thing that i'd really like to see in future films like sort of the inclusion of south pacific stories and characters and you know south pacific directors and stories set in the south pacific just the inclusion of the people of south pacific whether it's Samoa, fiji or anywhere honestly and yeah that's basically right. what i'd want to see i mean it's uh we sort of touched upon this uh, last week uh with my discussion with kautia mm. your sister um <laughs> and how uh you know the south pacific or oceania is is uh it's a big place you know and it's a diverse place and and there's gonna be uh at the moment it can be sort of uh the representation can be quite generalized and i think mm. that's that's often an issue isn't it yeah yeah are there any are there any particular films that you've seen in recent years that that have um challenged that um oh well there's well obviously there's the obvious choice moana <laughs> which is probably the most south pacific movie out right now and like in recent years 
but there's also that <laughs> the most unexpected movie to have this kind of representation. <laughs> it was one of the Fast and Furious movies, <laughs> the Hobbs and Shaw oh, one. Really? Yeah. Have you seen <laughs> I that? I have not seen. <laughs> no, I have not seen any of that particular series of movies. You're gonna have to. No, yeah. Tell me all. Tell me all. Um, it was thanks to The Rock. He um, it was in one of the spit-off movies. It was. Fast and Furious, Hobbs and Shaw, I think. There's a scene where it's like, it's kind of like a buddy cop movie with Jason Statham and Dwayne The Rock Johnson, where they both kind of hate each other, but at the end they kind of like, oh no, you're not that bad. And about <laughs> halfway through the movie, they kind of like, they've lost everything and they're like, oh no, we need to go somewhere private to like recollect our thoughts and everything and come up with a game plan. And then they go to Samoa. And they go to, like, The Rock's character's, like, family house. And they go there, and then they sort of have to reconvene with, like, this plan. And then the plan is they all, like, use, like, traditional, like, Polynesian Samoan, like, weapons to, like, fight. And then they do the whole, like, tribal dance and stuff. It was really sick to see on screen. Like, the entire time, like, I just had the biggest smile on my face because I was like, hell yeah, you know? Because, yeah. like... I've only seen it twice in Moana and in this movie. Like, you don't really see that rep kind of representation in Hollywood, so... You definitely don't. It, it, and it's often, it's quite... Uh, the, the tendency with, with that, that kind of representation it, it, is often that it's quite exoticized. Um, yeah. You know, rather than, like, specifically connected with a main character. So yeah. that's, that's nice to have that connection. And obviously, this, I mean, we're on an audio medium right now, but I can see how much you were smiling yeah. <laughs> because we're talking on Zoom, yeah. recounting that experience. So it's good yeah. to see these familiar things represented in that kind of uh, familiar way. Mm. Um, yeah, uh, maybe, is it, would it be uh, okay to ask what kind of things you're going to be addressing in, in the movie you're making? Or is that Ooh, uh, under wraps at the moment? No, yeah, sure, you can ask. Um, I'm obviously not, I'm like, I'm not going to say the name of the movie or like... No, no, anything. The broad yeah. themes and yeah. ideas. Like basically, um, okay, a little backstory. <laughs> when I was a kid, like, um, I one thing that I really struggled with is sort of like, self-worth and sort of like i i always used to compare myself to like everyone else around me and then i always like i used to think i wasn't like the best sort of like person you know and so i wasn't really happy with who i was as a person but then like growing up and then like going through all of the stuff that i like have been through i sort of like realized that like at the end of the day you don't need anyone else's you don't need anyone else to accept you for who you are it's just it's only you that needs to accept you for who you are and like that's the only type of love that you need like like when i was a kid like this is gonna be this is very embarrassing but like i used to like look at all my friends and they used to have like girlfriends and that kind of stuff and i used to be like damn why don't i have a girlfriend you know <laughs> i'm just such a loser where's my girlfriend you know and then so and then i sort of realized that i don't need to find air quotes love in a relationship but i just needed to find love for myself and basically my film just follows that theme the idea of self-love and self-acceptance so 
that's wow thank thank you for sharing that that yeah, yeah. you know that's obviously kind of a personal thing to no, share yeah. at the end there and i i really appreciate that mm. it, it also taps into a very um relevant kind of subject when we're talking about media forms and representation mm. We we do compare ourselves to to other people that we know, like you say, within our peer group. Um, but we also compare ourselves uh, to the the representations that are popular and that are circulated in the media, and and that's something that is always very interesting for me when that is um, a, a subject that is explored within media forms themselves, when mm. they kind of self-reflexively turn that idea in themselves and, and explore that. So I am uh, I'm fascinated by, by the sound of this movie. I'm going to oh, be yeah. very in- intrigued to check it out uh, once uh, lockdown lifts and you can get that production yeah. back, on the, back on the rails again. Yeah. <laughs> Um, cool, man. Well, I, I think uh, we have been talking for almost an hour now. That's that's a, that's a wonderful point to wrap things up. Um, you've been a fantastic guest, man. Thank you very, very much for sharing your cinephilia with me <laughs> uh, and with anyone that's listening. No, yeah. Thank you for um, having me, honestly, because like I don't have anyone really to like talk to other than like my friends who are also interested in film. I don't really have anyone else to talk to about film in this sort of like way you know <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah it's good i i, I really i i enjoy um talking about film in this way whenever i can and 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 i i try and set up film screenings which i hope I, you will come to oh, I'll, yeah. I'll definitely keep you in the loop once we get that up and running again yeah um something that has just crossed my mind is that uh <laughs> there i have now done two two tours episodes one and two <laughs> i might have to there there is a very famous film have you heard of this this japanese uh pacific harbor war oh. movie called tora 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 yeah yeah <laughs> yeah like <laughs> everyone would mention so it I to might me. have to yeah <laughs> I might have to. I might have to interview Jim now. I might have to interview uh, your dad so that I have a Tora 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 yeah. for my first three episodes. It's perfect. Do you think he'd be into that? You'd, I, I've I've met him a few times. I've played frisbee with him, but I don't know if he's a big film fan. What oh no, think? yeah, he he digs movies. He was the guy who sort of like sowed the seed for my interest of film by taking me and my sister to go watch so many movies when we were kids. So, yeah, I feel like he'd definitely be down for that so yeah that's that's awesome man okay i I will send him a message and and we'll see if that that could be the next episode but for now daniela thank you very much again uh enjoy the rest of your day and uh your your lockdown uh watch movies have a few (laughs) drinks uh, and we'll catch up in person when the world stops being quite so crazy yes of course perfect (laughs) sounds good Thanks again, and thanks for listening. Okay, goodbye, everyone. Boom. We're done. Oh, it's still recording. Stop recording. Ah.